So today is the most celebratory, traditional, oh, that was my Bible passage I was going to read later. Oh, well, we'll find it later. Today is, is the big day. This is the main event of Christianity, most important day, you'd say, because this is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, if you look at how American culture celebrates Easter, you get all sorts of different variety of things. You guys are obviously celebrating by coming to a church service. That's a very popular way to celebrate Easter. Uh, but there's a lot of other ways that you can celebrate as well. Uh, just by a show of hands, how many of you are celebrating with someone outside of the family you live with? So like it's some sort of extended family you're going to be celebrating with them today. All right, how about how many of you have some sort of baked good that's going to be a part of your celebration today? Yeah, that, that's another thing. How many of you are going to hide Easter eggs? Yes, that's another tradition. How about um, how many of you have exchanged uh, chocolate already today? Only, only if you've already exchanged chocolate. All right, how about uh, have you purchased any peeps has anyone purchased any peeps? Yeah, I saw that's the, the number one can, selling candy that's not chocolate for Easter. And it's so funny. It's like they, they found the market perfectly. Like no one would ever eat a peep for any other reason other than it being Easter. But they, they figured it out and they've got us all. Um, and then, of course, this year, some of you are going to uh, play a little alphabet soup, drop the E and add an M and say, I'm going to celebrate Easter by watching the Masters. Anyone doing that today? No, that one doesn't count. That was not an Easter tradition. That one's not Easter. Uh, if you look at all of our Easter traditions, it's, it's an amalgamation, a collection of all different traditions from various cultures and histories and countries, uh, all kind of coming together to what we have in America today. Uh, what we're going to do this morning is go all the way back, strip away all these traditions, and say, what is Easter about? And then in particular, from the disciples' perspective, uh, what did Easter mean to them? Uh, we've already praised Jesus. He has defeated death. Uh, he, he has risen back uh, to heaven where he belongs. He is God, and so we praise him for that. But for the disciples, we've spent the past five weeks in the sermon series that we've been uh, leading up to this event uh, looking at the disciples' questions with Jesus on the last night, the last supper, the last conversation they have with Jesus. And they're really wrestling and struggling to understand uh, what is going on. Because Jesus hints, I'm leaving you, but don't worry, it's good. Uh, it'll be better. I'll send someone else to come. And they're like, yeah, okay, what? Wait, what? You know, and so as they're wrestling, we've wrestled as well with our questions of how are we supposed to follow a God who keeps himself somehow kind of hidden even in our lives. Uh, we're going to continue the theme of looking at it from the disciples' perspective. So I invite you to join me 2,000 years ago in the place of the disciples. What would Easter have meant to them? Him. What did the resurrection do for him that very first Easter morning, Easter Sunday, when there's no traditions, they uh, didn't buy any peeps from the store, they didn't have, I don't know, off work the next Monday, I don't know, you guys still do that? I don't know if they, they I don't know, companies value Easter anymore. But we're going to be reading uh, back uh, through uh, what, we have, what we have read about that Last Supper and then talk through the disciples' experience as they realize Jesus' death and resurrection. I want us to start in a passage that we looked at about two or three weeks ago. It's John chapter 14, the very beginning, a conversation that Jesus has, hit it three times there, Jesus has with his disciples. This should sound familiar if you were here a couple weeks ago. Jesus is telling his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. 
you know the way to the place where I am going. Now, when we looked at this passage, we looked at it from our perspective here in, in 2023, where we know the crucifixion, we know Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection have occurred, and so we understand what Jesus is saying. Uh, forget all that, <laughs> and put yourself in the disciples' position, right? So, so Jesus is saying, uh, don't be troubled, I'm going to prepare a place for you, uh, and, and, and you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas's question right after that really expresses how well the disciples understand this deep meaning that Jesus said. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? It's like, what I imagine is like, you, you know the kids at birthday parties, uh, and then they've got the pinata, and then they put the blindfold on, and they like spin them around, and then the kid's like swinging, and they're like, got the pinata on the string, and they're like, ha, 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 You know, it's like, that's what it feels to me like the disciples are going through. Like, Jesus, I, I, I don't see anything that you see. I'm out here like grasping for straws, like how? I don't even know where you're going. How can I know the way? And yet Jesus is so calm and confident. You know, like, have you... Like, I remember I was at a birthday party for one of our kids, and my parents uh, put together this fun little, like, set of competitions. One of them was you had to dribble a soccer ball and score a goal uh, while blindfolded. And you had a partner who was going to tell you, like, where to go. You know, and so you get the blindfold on, and they're like, go forward. A little more. A little more. It's like you're taking such small steps. Because it's like, why? I'm going to, like, trip. I'm going to fall. You know, like, if you don't understand where you're going, if you can't see what the goal is, you're going to be much more hesitant. You're going to be living within your shell. You're more afraid. And it's, it's almost like Jesus is like, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's like Jesus, he knows what's going on, has like much more confidence this is going to happen. You know, like the person, the instructions, go faster, it's just to your right. You're like, not that far. Not, you know, and the disciples are out here like, I'm clueless, you know, and, and afraid, right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. That's because the disciples were, were trying to, like, like, this sounds like something intense is going to happen. You're talking about leaving us, and I don't like that, right? That's the state of mind that the disciples are in. This is just the night before Jesus is arrested and killed on the cross, way before the resurrection. We're getting a little running start, right? Uh, after this, uh, Jesus takes, after the Lord's Supper, right, Last Supper, uh, he takes the disciples outside the city. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's there that Judas, the disciple who betrayed him, brings uh, like this armed mob to arrest Jesus. Uh, and here's one of the exchanges that happens there. This is Jesus talking to people coming to arrest him. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then the very next line uh, shows uh, how closely the disciples uh, loved him and wanted to be with him uh, forever, their, their enduring commitment to him. So then, then everyone deserted him and fled. Uh, the disciples are scared out of their mind. Right, so Jesus just gives them this pep talk, John 13, John 14, he continues it if you read 15, 16, and 17, where Jesus on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane continues to teach them and encourage them and say that I will be with you, hold on to me. And then all of a sudden, this plan, whatever Jesus had planned went terribly wrong. Someone betrayed him. And now he's being arrested in the garden. And now every, everything, the whole plan, like we thought Jesus was the Messiah, but now he's arrested, and I don't know what's going to happen to him. They all fled, it says. Uh, and then you look 
it's, it'd be, it's fun to trace the story of Peter. So we've, we've kind of teased Peter a little bit as we've read through. He's the one who, who speaks first, he acts first, and speaks and acts before he thinks. You know, he's the guy when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, he says, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus is like, well, but I have to. He's like, okay, then wash my whole body too. You know, it's like, okay, Peter. You know, but, but Peter also that night said, I will stay with you to the death. I will never leave you. And Jesus said, you know what? Actually, before the night's over, you're gonna deny me three times. You know, I was like, what? How does this happen? Uh, right here, uh, while he's being arrested, Peter actually draws his sword and cuts a guy's ear off. He's like, on guard, let's go, you know, to the death. You know, and Jesus is like, well, put that down, put that down. And they, can you imagine, they don't understand, right? Because Peter's like, no, I'm willing to die for you. I'm ready to go. And, and, and Jesus is like, no, put your sword down. I'm, I'm, I'm going to accept my arrest. I'm going to go with them. This is a part of the plan. And they're like, there's no way. You know, and then, then it says in John that, that Peter and another disciple kind of sneak uh, after Jesus, trying to, to, to watch what happens after he gets arrested. He gets taken to the high priest. The high priest is uh, the highest religious ruler uh, in, in Judaism at the time and was definitely uh, one of the people that helped Jesus ultimately get crucified. And so Peter's there kind of like watching, waiting to see what's going to happen. And someone's like, hey, hold on. You, I've seen you with him. You're totally with him. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I, uh, no, I never met the guy. I just uh, I couldn't sleep. I heard there was something going on. So I decided to come here and check it out. You know, three times, just like Jesus prophesied, he denies, no, 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 I'm not with him. He's afraid, right? He sees, hey, the, the end of this looks like this is the end. This is the end. And then can you imagine the next day, Jesus is hung on the cross. The disciples are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We were just having dinner with him. And now he's being nailed to the cross like someone do something. Jesus, do something. And he's just standing there taking it, accepting it. Like, can you imagine their heartbreak? Like, no, no, no. You were supposed to save Israel. You're supposed to save the nation, make, make everything right. And there you are dying. And then, you know, the Roman guard takes the sword and kills him. You know, make sure he's dead. And you're like, what, ha what ha happened? That's the state of mind the disciples are in. So much hope, so much confusion, and now so much hopelessness. They're lost. Uh, they, they don't have a leader that says that they, um, they were meeting together just kind of like, uh, like what do we do, you know? Until, until Easter morning, right? And what Tammy read, the women go to the tomb because they brought the, the embalmment materials. They're, they're gonna take care of the dead body. They show up there, but they don't find nobody. I mean, they find the angel, but they don't find nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus has risen. He's alive. And so they go back and they tell the disciples. And so, you know, the, 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 the women come in and they say, he is risen. You know, and the disciples are like, he is risen. No, they didn't say that. They, they said this. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. They had seen Jesus die right? They didn't understand. They didn't understand yet that Jesus had to rise, that this was his destiny. This was God's plan all along. So the women come back. They're like, no, he's not there. They're like, hey, stop. You know, like April Fool's already happened, right? No, just kidding. They didn't have that back then either. Then, then one of the disciples though says, I've got to see this for myself. You know who it was? Yeah, it was Peter. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Confused. There was, <laughs> look, there's no joy yet. They're still like, what? How did the stone, I don't get it. You said there was an angel. Are you sure it was an angel, not just someone taking the body away? You know, like, like what did you see exactly? And so it says the disciples that day were talking and they couldn't figure it out. They had figured out that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, but they didn't understand it. They're talking, they're talking. Later that night, Jesus appears to them. 
And they celebrate him, right? While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. That's what he said in John chapter 14, my peace I leave with you. He comes back and greets them with the same thing. And the disciples hugged him and said, oh, you're back. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Disciples are freaked out. What is going on? And here's Jesus. And so it says that Jesus ate some food to prove to them he's not a ghost. And then he explains to them. No, 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 this was God's plan from the beginning and goes through all the scriptures, all the prophecies that line up and opens their eyes where they can truly see. And then it says joy and amazement. Come on, they'll be like, oh, what? You know, it's like, so this is how you save the world. No way, you know what I'm saying? And then everything becomes crystal clear for them. Now, I want to pause right here on the story because uh, you don't see the disciples doing anything else uh, in, the, in the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life. Um, so in the, in the short term, they just stay together. There's one story where, where Thomas, one of the disciples who wasn't there during this event, uh, he, he doesn't still quite believe Jesus appears to him and then proves to himself that, yeah, Jesus is actually risen. And there's another story where Peter's just out fishing. He's like, hey, you guys want to come with me? Grab some disciples. They're fishing. And then uh, Jesus meets them out on fishing, uh, restores Peter, forgives him, and kind of commissions him to lead the church, um, kind of uh, putting, putting the past and his denials of who Jesus was behind him. Uh, those are the only stories we see. But the disciples, I want you to note this, are still the disciples, right? The resurrection changed who Jesus was. He for sure was the Messiah, and then he is God. He's worthy to be praised, but the disciples are still a ragtag bunch of nobodies, that are, are trying to figure out, well, what do we do without a leader then, right? Because they were just following Jesus. They stayed huddled together, meeting, talking. Jesus told them to wait because he said, I, I still have a plan, right? I, I promise to send another advocate to you. And he said, just wait in Jerusalem and then, then you'll know what to do. And so they're just kind of sitting there and Peter's like, well, I guess we could fish still, you know, or again. You know, he used to be a fisherman when Jesus called him to be a disciple, right? And so they're just kind of doing normal things, and I just want us to sit there and say, could that not be some of us? We know, the, we know the resurrection happened. We know Easter. We're celebrating Easter. We're here at church. We're praising God. We sang the songs. But it doesn't really change us. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, Easter happens one day out of the year. I'll set aside. I'll wear my sport jacket that day. You know, but then Monday will come and then I'll be back to being me, well, back to the job, back to the family, back to the anxiety, back to the stress, back to the pressures, the responsibilities, everything else that you've got in life. We'll just keep going with that. That's where the disciples are, right here on the first Easter. But here, there's some good news uh, for the disciples and for us. The resurrection wasn't completed yet. Jesus had raised from the grave, but here's what I mean. He had promised something. He still had something to do. And we see that the next time we see the disciples show up in Acts. Acts is the sequel to Luke's gospel. So Luke wrote Luke about Jesus, and then he wrote Acts about the Holy Spirit and how it acted in the early church. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, uh, the disciples are still hanging out together. Uh, they're still uh, just talking, waiting, hoping that Jesus will at some point give the thing that was supposed to come. Uh, and then it happens. Pentecost. So 50 days, it's seven Sundays from Easter is when the Christian church celebrates it. So about two months out from these events 
All of a sudden, they're gathered. There's a large festival. Crowds have been gathering in Jerusalem, and it says a violent wind just shakes the place. You know, whoa, what was that? You know, what happened? And it says the Holy Spirit came on them, and you could physically see it through little tongues of fire that rested on each one of their heads. And then they, they begin speaking in all these different languages. So the people that have all been gathered around are like, hold on, I'm hearing my mother tongue here. And I'm from you know, hundreds of miles away, and everyone is saying that, like, how is this happening? How is this ragtag? group of disciples who've just been sitting in that room for two months, you know, without a leader. How are they able to talk with all of us? What is going on? A crowd, you know, like this gathered people where they're like, huh, what's this? What's it? What was that wind? You know, and they're coming to see and then, then they're making fun of them. Ridicule starts, right? You guys are just drunk. Like, what? Well, you guys are, you guys are just, you've lost it. You're crazy. And then one of them says, hold on, hold on, I got, I got to address the people here. I can't, I can't take this. I got to step into this. I'll give you one guess who it was, right? Yeah, it was the same guy who lets his mouth open up too fast. He's the first one to act. You know, the same one who says, I'll be with you to the end. And then later that night denied that Jesus was his friend. The same one who's ready to take out a sword, cut off an ear. You know, but then when he sees that it's ending in death, he shrinks back in the shadows in fear. It's Peter. Peter stands up and he says, let me address them. Here, I don't even have this. This is the part where I wanted to have my Bible ready to tell you about this. Found it. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. You know, it's like if you were watching a two-hour epic movie, this is like 30 minutes before the end. We're like, oh, this must be the good part. You know, it's like it had like little like bumps as it went, but like the, the music's building now, right? And, and, and you, know, you can see Peter standing down. It's like, dun, dun, you know, the horns are swelling. You know, it's like Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. <sighs> Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Well, I got to say, should I read the whole thing? I, I was only going to read like a few verses. We got time. We're doing it. All right, here we go. <laughs> it's good. I'm telling you, this is the climax. This is, this is the completion of the resurrection. It says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He goes back to some of those scriptures that Jesus had taught them was going to happen. In the last days, he's quoting Joel. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he starts out by saying, what you're seeing now, this big wind, this fire, our voices, you think we're crazy. No, this is actually part of God's plan. Look, it's prophet of Joel. You guys have read Joel before. This is happening right now. And then he shifts to Jesus because that is what happened. That was the reason this is the culmination from the resurrection. Here's what he says. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He does not have to introduce Jesus. Everyone knew who Jesus was. He had a massive preaching following. He did amazing miracles. Everyone knew something was crazy about this guy. He says, no, he was from God, and God proved he was from him through all of these signs. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. 
And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You know, like a greased watermelon, you ever try to play water polo with it? It's like, you just can't hold it. That's death in Jesus. I wasn't gonna use that one, but I did. And then he goes back into a psalm that David had written. And he says, David wasn't writing this about himself. He was writing this about the promised Messiah. He says, David said about him, this is verse 25. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Then he explains it. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried in his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. This is the Messiah. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses to it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So he's saying this was all planned. This, this resurrection, I mean, you even crucifying him was all planned according to God's foreknowledge. And then he resurrected. And then what he did to complete it was he ex- was raised, ascended to the right hand of God, received the Holy Spirit and poured it now out on us. And he wraps it up with one further uh, example from prophecy that yes, this was the promised Messiah. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel, this is conclusion, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This is the first speech that the disciples share after they receive the Holy Spirit. This is the first speech that they uh, fill their purpose that that God had for them when he said, wait for me in Jerusalem until you receive the gift. This is how he opens his mouth. And can I just uh, make a point? (laughs) This was Peter with the crowd of the religious folks, the same crowd that he was scared to say, I'm a friend, I'm associated with Jesus. Two months ago, two months ago, right? That he was afraid. They took Jesus' life. And now he's telling the exact crowd, you killed the Messiah. <laughs> like, like, in the, like he said it twice. Yeah, the one that you crucified, yeah, that was Lord and Messiah. And, he, and boldly, right? What changed? What changed? Well, the resurrection was completed. The Holy Spirit had come. Now he was a changed man. It wasn't just Peter. You know, you read the whole rest of the book of Acts. These religious leaders begin to decide, uh, we've got to snuff out these flames before it threatens our religious power and authority. But they can't. They only fan it into further flame. It's almost like the disciples themselves can't stay up, uh, can't keep up with the Holy Spirit as it's just spreading around the whole Mediterranean area. As everyone hears of the good news, receives the Holy Spirit, and is now transformed by the completion of the resurrection. See, when Jesus rose from the grave, he wasn't just doing it for himself. He's not like some street magician where he's like, gather around, gather around for my next trick. You will be impressed. You know, and then, da-da-da-da, you know, I'd like to get oohs and ahs or get maybe a couple dollar bills or something like that. No, he had a purpose in resurrecting. 
And that purpose, two things. Here, here, I got, got the verses. Here, these, these are the verses we were going to talk about, but I agree it was better when we read it. He says, in, uh, starting in verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Two things that Jesus did after he resurrected. One, he ascended to the Father. This proved he's at the right hand of the Father. There is equality with him and God. So Jesus was not just man. He was equal to God. Yeah, so we would say they have some special connection where they are one. Jesus is God. That's important. He didn't just rise from the dead as if God was doing some miracle through him. No, Jesus ascends back into heaven, proving that he himself was God on earth. And then the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus had said, I will send you another advocate. That was the reason why when when the disciples are blindfolded, Jesus is confident. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. Why? Because I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And that's poured out what you now see in here. The resurrection is completed at Pentecost. At this day, everything is complete. Jesus' first mission to earth has been completed. He has passed the baton on now to the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to power the church and to go and continue the mission. He is now back in heaven. The resurrection completes here. And so we have this opportunity. The disciples experience the opportunity to have the resurrection life in them. Uh, the, the undefeated life, the invincible life, you know, the life that death cannot grab, cannot get a hold of, cannot do anything with, is now in them. It's not, it's not something you see at a museum, you know, like touring this month only. Come see the resurrected life. You know, it's not a sampler platter you get put in front of you. Have just a little taste. No, no, no. This life is coming to live inside of them. It is yours. It is your life. Now, resurrection life completed right here at Pentecost. So, so what do we do with it? So, wow, that's, I mean, that's hope right there, right? You know, like the life that death can't touch is inside of us. Um, like, let's sing praises, but what about Monday, right? What about the, the family, the responsibilities, the bills, the job, the, the pressures, the anxieties? What about those, right? Those don't go away tomorrow. How does this impact us? That's the question to, that the crowd has. It says this, after he concludes, it says, therefore, the, with the people, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And this is what Peter says. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what we do. This is our response to the resurrection. We repent and we're baptized. What do we receive? Forgiveness of our sins. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross with his crucifixion was the forgiveness of our sins. The gift of the Holy Spirit, that's accomplished through the resurrection. So the, the, the cross, Jesus on the cross, the crucifixion made it possible for God to dwell with us. The resurrection makes that a reality that we can live into. The two things, repent and be baptized. Repentance means just turning from your ways and choosing God. It's an acknowledgement that if I do things on my own, I can't manufacture this confidence. I can't change my own life. I can't reshape myself. Whenever I choose the things that I want to do, I only bring death and destruction to me and those around me. But I want to leave that. Repentance means I don't want that. Jesus, I want your way. I want your truth, your life. And so you follow him. And you choose to set these things aside, die to those things and move forward. Baptism is a physical and spiritual event 
which rehearses this story that we just told, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, where you participate, dying to yourself and your old ways, but rising again in the new resurrected life. And of course you receive the Holy Spirit because that is the resurrection. That is the completion of the resurrection in your life. I wanna just invite anyone who's not been baptized to consider it and to be baptized even next week. As an adult, I know that uh, some people might have been baptized as a child to be welcomed into the church, um, and we'd absolutely honor that. But if you want to be baptized as an adult, I invite you to, next week, to respond with repentance and baptism. Baptism demonstrates the repentance in your life. This is how Peter sets up to celebrate the resurrection. This is what it means. What are we to do? Well, repent and be baptized. So we'll set up a baptism service next week. If you let us know, uh, we'll, we'll schedule it. We've got a, a, a tank in the back. We'll set it up here and we'll continue the celebration. We'll, we'll celebrate Jesus' new life this week and the new life which is in him and in each one of our hearts next week. We've got little uh, connect cards that Kim was talking about at each of the little tables. Uh, we'll take time and discuss with each other like we do on a regular Sunday. During that time, if you wanna be baptized, just write your name write your number, write your email address, and then I would like to be baptized. Drop it in that box in the back, uh, or if you get a chance, talk with me and Kim. Uh, we would love to figure out the logistics and continue to celebrate with you because our hope, the new life that we have, is on the other side of our participation with Jesus in his crucifixion and in his resurrection. And that's the only hope we have, and that's the proper way, the way that Peter set up for everyone to celebrate the resurrection. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you didn't leave us alone. Even though you went back to the Father, we recognize that you are still present with us through your Holy Spirit. And we want to have that. We want to be changed. We want to be emboldened. We want to get off of the sidelines of our faith or our church or our families, our responsibilities. And uh, we want to have purpose. We want to have your life. We want to be driven and steered by you, God. I pray that our hearts would be one of repentance. And I pray for uh, those that want to be baptized, Lord, would be bold so that we could be baptized. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be lit inside each of us. I pray that you would embolden us. I pray that we wouldn't squelch it, that we wouldn't try to uh, turn you off or reject you, but instead we would want to seek you and see how you are moving in our life in order that your mission could continue through us. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for resurrection, but we thank you for everything that that was a part of, your whole plan to be with us, to restore us, and to bring us back to you and to give us your life the undefeated, the invincible life, Lord. We thank you. We love you and pray all these things, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're gonna take some time. You can gather around your tables, but I've got three questions for us to discuss this morning as we apply Easter to our individual lives. Uh, first of all, it's kind of an icebreaker. What Easter traditions remind you of truth about Jesus? So the tie spiritual meaning to the traditions that you do. Uh, number two, how has the Holy Spirit changed your life? Share a story. What have you seen where the Holy Spirit, when he enters into your life, has, has molded you, has shaped you? And then three, if you have already been baptized, how does the resurrection apply to you? How then do we apply the repent and be baptized if we've already been baptized? What does that look like for you? 
Uh, so turn to your neighbors. Make sure you include uh, those around you. Uh, you'll probably have to make more groups than there are tables. Uh, but let's take about 10 to 15 minutes, and then I'll come back up, and I'll dismiss all of us this morning.